Hello and welcome back to another episode of the People's Wrestling Podcast. As always, joined by Ali and Matt. Guys, how Hello. are we doing? It's been a little while since our last episode. Been a while, yeah. Been a while. So much so, it stressed Matt out to the point of beard loss. Yeah. Let's said about that at the bar. <laughs> Is that why your camera's a bit low? <laughs> yeah, I'm not happy. <laughs> It's a necessary evil. Um, Make sure you look about 15 years younger than that, so that's good. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these things happen, but, you know, we bounce back. We go again, as, as the footballers say. Um, right, so we're going to crack on with this one quite quickly, because as I'm sure all of you are aware, the part, this past weekend we saw WrestleMania 37, number 37. It's that's a lot of WrestleManias, um, but it's only the second one that we've had. That was two nights. Um, so first off, before we kind of get into the matches and stuff, um, we briefly touched on it in the episode we did prior to Mania about the concept and idea of two night episodes. But what do how do we think the two night format played out in the end for this particular WrestleMania? Well, I thought. I thought it was the perfect WrestleMania to do it for. Um, and I, personally, I really enjoyed the two-night format. I don't, I don't really want to go back to one night. I think it worked really, really well. Um, because it felt, I feel like the danger, what we had last year was that they had two nights, so they had a lot of matches to put on with no crowd, obviously. Um, so they ended up just throwing random ones on. I think Natalia Liv Morgan was a match that they had, and it was sort of like, well, and a Why? few matches that had to be kind of changed last minute due to people yeah. not being available. Uh, Big and, matches. Yeah. But, um, so it felt like there was just a lot of throwaway matches. This year, it didn't feel like there were any throwaway matches. I think they had, what, seven matches each on each night? Something so like a I decent amount. Like that's, I feel like that's a good amount to be putting on. Yeah, seven. Um, and yeah, I think, I think it worked really well. Matt, what say you? I'm not a fan of it. I don't know why, but um, I would rather there be less matches, more storytelling, if that makes sense. Yeah. I feel like... Give each match a bit more longer. Yeah, they're throwing a bit, bit too much at it. Tag Team Turmoil, for example, could have been done on SmackDown or Raw. Um, bit of a cluster fuck but, yeah I'm sure we'll we'll get to that um, yeah I'm personally I'm a bit torn on the two night format um, I think it it can work and like Ali said this was probably the best Wrestlemania to do it in front of fans um, from a fan's perspective I'm sure it's good for energy levels because the show's a bit shorter um, it's about half the time that we were there for um, so yeah you'll be able to keep your energy all the way throughout but also from the downside, you might have some people who can only get a ticket to one night and with the matches not being announced and the night, the matches um, on specific nights not being announced, that could cause a bit of an issue because you might not then get to actually see the match or the person that you came really to see. Um, well, it's definitely so going sh- back to one night next year, isn't it? I believe, I believe so. so, yeah. But I'm, I'm sure it's potentially something they'll... They'll either have to revisit it or they're going to have to shorten Mania, one of the two, because 
I think 95%, if not more, of people will agree that the eight-hour, seven, eight-hour manias are far too long, <laughs> especially without pushing, an hour break more. in the middle. You're pushing five hours is your maximum that you can get away with, I think. Yeah. And I think, that, I suppose that, that was one of the good things that came out of Saudi Arabia shows, for example, was the hour break in the, or the half hour, hour break in the middle for their prayer um, time. Um, having an intermission when you've got a all day show like we had would definitely have helped. Um, yeah, start yeah. it earlier. Start it earlier, have an intermission, and then, you know, you've not got to tire everybody out before the main event. <laughs> Exactly. For, for for 35, the main event went on after midnight. Like mm. That's when you know it's a bit late. And it definitely lacked from the crowd not being involved because they were too tired. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, well, I, was a bit, I basically fell asleep <laughs> during the main you event. very drunk. I, I, basically, I sobered up by that point, but I was just so tired. And cold. It was nearly a hangover point like that. <laughs> <laughs> I was freezing my tits off. Hey, you were very cold. I was cold and I had a coat. Well, speaking of coats, <laughs> speaking of coats, they would have come in handy for the, the live crowd at WrestleMania. Um, first time, we should say, in one year, one month, and one day, uh, that crowd fully, not fully, um, not full attendance, but a large crowd was at a WWE event. Since March last year, how how did that make you feel, and what did you think of the crowd over the course of the weekend? Did it do anything for brilliant. you? Did it make you oh, realise how much you missed it? Or yeah, I yeah. think that's been the general I, consensus. I haven't watched. I, I haven't watched a Raw or a SmackDown in over a year because no fans. I just don't like the concept of people being on screens and like fake noise being put into it. It doesn't do anything for me. And to have a live crowd back, you could see the superstars were all like, right, we're all up for this. Let's do this. Yeah. You, yeah. The, and some more so than others. I'm just replugging really in my camera because it's being a twat. Um, some, some more so than others. Um, I I really felt like it wasn't until um, they started putting uh, like NXT uh, roster in the crowd at the performance center um, and then moving to the Thunderdome with the piped in noise where you realize just how how deadly silent it was this time last year at WrestleMania. So when they go back and they show replays and show clips of it, it's very strange to watch that for a couple of months we just watch wrestling, or at least a month or so, we watch wrestling in silence, basically. Um, well, I definitely feel sorry for the likes of Drew McIntyre, who won. Yeah. Your WrestleMania moment's gone. Like, and then, it's not a WrestleMania moment, it's just a moment. And I was very... Um, I was surprised at... The, at the start of the show on Saturday when uh, they're all out on the stage, which was a very cool visual, and having Vince McMahon do the, the introduction to it, basically. I was surprised that it kind of it gave me chills, in a way, just to see the crowd back 
um and just hearing that like basically we're, we're back open for business in a way which is basically what the tagline like going into it was again. yeah and my favorite thing about the crowd really throughout the entire weekend was i feel like it would have been very easy for them especially as a wrestling crowd because a lot of crowds did it to kind of try and make the show about them start like a, a we are awesome chant or something like that something's just um, annoying i'll have you you know that I've won a Slammy Award for doing that. So fuck you. Yeah, well, you have got you could put that up on your shelf. That uh, behind you. We were be... awesome. That night, yeah. we were awesome. But I thought the crowd at the weekend were very good. They they seemed to. I, I don't know if it's just that um, that want and and need to just be involved in rest in the watching wrestling but they seem to really just lose themselves in the kind of stories not trying to boo the good guys and cheer the bad guys or whatever did, did, for the most part they just kind of went along with um what they're being told to cheer and boo really um i didn't like that there was still piped in noise but i understand it with an open stadium that was only what, like a third full if that um, the sound coming from it probably wasn't that great. Um, it would easily get lost. So I understand why they did it, but it would have been nice just purely to hear the crowd. Yeah, I, I, let's just say I think I can understand why they did that. Just going back to the very beginning part of, well, post rain delay, um, with the Vince and the Amber Superstars on on the stage. I think, you know, when you're when you're properly excited for a WrestleMania, um, like, you know, I've been many, many times in my life, probably the last two, I haven't particularly been massively excited about WrestleMania starting. It's just kind of been something that I'm like, okay, well, I have to watch it because I have to. Um, you were there at one of them. Well, or were you talking about? I'm talking about last year. This time last year. Um, and I've really felt like that was a moment which pumped me up. Was, you know, I don't get pumped up massively anyway. I'm British. But like, <laughs> it was like a moment with just with Vince and the superstars there. And I wasn't, you know, the national anthem thing is by the by for me. I'm not American, so it doesn't really do anything for me. But, you know, with the jets flying over and the pyro and Vince there and his welcome to WrestleMania. It just, yeah, it was a really cool moment. With the and the crowd, roar of the crowd. Yeah, you can feel I the think, energy. Even Rhea Ripley crying made me a bit like, whoa, this is, you this could- is what it's all about. Yeah, you could see in a lot of their faces, um, some just looked like, some were just beaming with kind of pride in a way um, and excitement. Others were kind of, (laughs) (laughs) others that were kind of in their characters perhaps. Um, But yeah, very palpable emotions throughout the weekend really, but especially that opening opening segment, which... um, not to rain on their parade, but there was rain on the parade uh, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, the first night of WrestleMania, at least. And I can't believe that after the 14, I think the, since 2007, uh, well, 2008 being the first one in a while, there's been so many outdoor manias. There's only been like four, four or five indoor ones in that time. So there's been more outdoors. Um, and that's the first rain delay we've ever had. How is that? Like, I know they've been to, they, they go to usually up Florida or wherever, but they've done New York in April and New Jersey in April and stuff like that. And I, I just don't understand how it's never happened. 
imagine how pissed off we would have been if it was that cold and raining at, in right. New York when we were there. Well, it rained been, immediately as we left. Yeah, yeah. Could you imagine, not only did it rain, it fucking hammered it down. So could you imagine if that had arrived two hours earlier? Yeah, exactly. It would have considered going home. I think I was asleep. <laughs> yeah. remember it was... You don't remember walking around the whole of the stadium in the pouring rain? <laughs> I remember really, needing, really needing the piss and then just going into this port and like, oh. <laughs> Yeah, we walked around the entire stadium, and while we were doing that, it was raining. But and we got in, we finally found a um, Uber or cab, and then literally, like as we got in and sat down, it just went poof, like everywhere. It was just ridiculous. It was very heavy. Uh, but yeah, we ended up with about what, about half an hour or so rain delay. Um, which I actually thought was very uh, interesting to see how they handled it because obviously they would have been aware of it in the hours leading up to it. The the um, the Raymond James Stadium account was tweeting it around on Twitter and stuff, and it had been rumoured throughout the day that there was a storm. So they they obviously would have been aware. So I wonder if they would have if they had plans for content um, in this kind of delay period, and it ended up being. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall backstage because I feel like it would have been frantic as fuck. <laughs> um, but I ended up, we ended up getting a lot of what seems to be unscripted and for the large part mostly improvised promos from a number of performers, um, likes of Kevin Owens, Drew McIntyre, Bobby Lashley, um, Bianca Belair was there. We've got quite a few and for the most part they were pretty good and pretty interesting and i think if i would imagine that at least some of the some of the higher ups maybe not at the time because i'm sure there would have been like a shit ton going on um but i feel like some of the higher ups would be looking at who is taking this time where perhaps they're not being told exactly what to say and who did the best and who can maybe be given that freedom in the future yeah, I feel like it was it was a good, almost like a test. Um, yeah. To, I mean, I think they played it safe with most of the people that they put on camera with it. So, I mean, if you you know if you're going to go to Kevin Owens, he's going to give you a really good from the heart unscripted promo. Um, you know, if you go to New Day, for instance, that they're just going to mess around for five minutes, then it's going to be funny. You know, um. I felt like there were some others which were a little bit of a surprise choice, like Bianca Belair. Like she's good, um, but she she doesn't have a lot to say. She hasn't got a lot of experience in you know in those situations, and she came across really well as well. Um, and even Braun, like to a certain extent, you know Braun's not the greatest on the mic. He, his his promos are all very similar. Um, but you know, he, yeah, he had to improvise as well. So that was good to see. So I feel like it was a bit like a. Because they didn't have, I mean, they had Drew McIntyre on there with Bobby Lashley and MVP, but they didn't have the big, big, big stars. Uh, even the Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley's kind of altercation with each other, they essentially had to split up a fight between the two of them. I, whether that was planned or not, I don't know. But um, it's just those kind of things where I think, yeah, that that's just good wrestler thinking. Because yeah. they could have gone out there and been like, oh, you know, um, it's a shame about the rain delay. We would have loved to have been out there with the fans and whatever. But no, you had like guys like Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre where they were like, I don't give a fuck. I'll fight. We'll fight right now in the back. Like, let's just get on with it. Um, yeah. I thought Seth Rollins had a good, um, good little 
fun interaction with the new Irish guy, Kevin, I think. Um, the only thing I didn't like about this rain delay was I think that would have been the perfect opportunity to get a, a quick interview of Sami Zayn. Well, Sami Zayn hijacking an interview and be like, this is a conspiracy, see? Like, they're trying to stop me having a WrestleMania match. Just have him go off on one for five whole minutes and, th and then to cut him off while he's mid-rant as well to just to, to escalate things even further. I think that would have been uh, top-tier top content. It would have been a good idea. Anything involving uh, Sami at the moment is top-tier content, in my opinion. Yeah, that would have been cool. That's been um, your opinion. Huh? I said that's always been your opinion. You were very... Much of Sammy Mark. I've always, yeah, I've always loved Sammy Zayn from from his NXT run, um, and I I was always one of the people who thought I like I can't see him as a heel. When he first turned heel, I was like, oh, he's such a babyface that I I don't think he's going to work. And it works so good. <laughs> he's just one. He didn't even have to change that much. Like he came he came came out the same music doing the same entrance. But now that he's a heel, you find oh, it's actually really annoying. <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah, Sami Zayn at the moment I think is doing some of the best stuff he's done on the main roster. Um, Should we get into the card because we've got a lot to get through? Yeah, that's just yeah, that's just what I was about to do. So speaking of Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre, they opened the show. Um, so calls for them to, or they originally kept saying that this, this would be a WrestleMania main event, which I'm assuming would be night one of WrestleMania, which subsequently got switched out for Sasha and Bianca. So this one went on first, which I guess is kind of apt, seeing as Drew McIntyre has always maintained that he wanted to be the first one out when the crowd was first back. Um, technically wasn't, because we got Titus O'Neil and Hulk Hogan at the start and all the others, but, you know. That was the anti-climax for me, because I'd read a lot about that Drew wanted to be the first out, and then they did the thing with Vince, and I was like, okay, well, that makes sense. That's good. Um and then there was, yeah, then <laughs> the Titus, Titus O'Neil gone now. <laughs> just like, oh, that's not what people want to see. I just don't get <laughs> the WrestleMania cringe, hosts. Really? Yeah, I don't get the point for WrestleMania hosts. Like, I mean, it was okay we never used when, to have it. Why do we have it? Alexa, Alexa Bliss did it when we were there, and, and that was all right. Like, we would have rather seen her in a match, I'm sure. Um, we had the moment with Hulk Hogan coming out, and it was, a few little interactions through the night but like there's nothing they don't do anything yeah but new day did a pretty good job when they were hosts but again would have rather them have been in scheduled matches um so yeah i just totally understand it but it, it took away from like, in my eyes it slightly took away from the entrances because it was just a bit like well, we didn't need that little distraction and then maybe part of me felt like, are they just waiting another five minutes to see if the rain's going to come back, or like, are they good to go now? But then when you know when the entrances did happen, you kind of forget about all that anyway. And I think the crowd, the crowd reacted really well. So yeah, WrestleMania host, I don't think I'll ever be a fan of. They don't do anything. They don't add anything. It's just a reason to get Hulk Hogan on a show in 2021, which yeah. I don't think anyone other than Hulk Hogan really wants. No. <laughs> I th I th Jimmy Hart, obviously. Um, yeah. So yeah, they 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 started the show, um, and I thought it was a good match. I saw a few people say I was a bit disappointing for like a WrestleMania opener, but I thought it was probably about as good a match as you're going to get from Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre. Very physical and hard hitting. It was just a shame for me that after all these, after an entire year of. But Drew McIntyre not being a stupid baby face, he gets tricked by MVP shouting his name. 
I think it was a very, uh, you're right, Drew, Drew's been sort of very switched on as a babyface, isn't he, for the whole time. Um, and it's it's very un-Drew-like for him to be beaten by something like that. Um, yeah. Which I guess maybe they can make a, a story out of. Um, but, yeah, it felt a little bit... Like, at the time, I, I haven't watched this match back. I haven't watched any of it back, actually. Um, but, but watching it live... I remember thinking after the match, I felt a little bit disappointed in it. I think that's probably harsh. I think, as you say, you probably got what you expect out of a Drew versus Bobby Lashley match. I didn't. It didn't feel as brutal as I felt it could be. Um, Do you reckon you were disappointed yeah, in the match? Brutality. Hmm. Do you reckon you were disappointed more in the match or the finish, which made the match seem worse? Probably the Mick, match Mick Foley, Mick Foley, for example, I, I saw him at the time tweet out and said, um, did your baby face passes out to a fucking full Nelson in a WWE title match in the first match back at Mania? Like, really? And I kind of understand it to an extent. I also understand why they did it in story, have him pass out and not, not tap and all that stuff and a way to make Bobby Lashley win without completely just flattening um, Drew McIntyre's momentum in a way um, but yeah a lot of people I saw weren't happy with how how the match actually ended itself rather than perhaps the match content yeah I'd agree with that I think I didn't expect I think I said to because Frankie was actually watching with me which is an absolute miracle uh, that I managed to convince her to get to do that but um, I was I think it might have been because I was really hoping for like a really good opener just to be like see this is really good you should watch more of it. Um, but yeah. it kind of just felt a little bit short for me. Um, but then when I think about it, I think actually it was a perfectly fine match. And it did what it needed to do. Bobby Lashley went over, which is fine. I would just I, The only criticism I would have had at the finish, obviously apart from Drew being stupid, um, was that I felt like the Hurt Lock wasn't in for very long before he passed out. No, um, it, it could have been... Like, like Sean Michaels and Kurt Angle at WrestleMania, where I was like in for yeah. about four, like three or four minutes, and he was doing literally everything possible to get out of it. Yeah, I just think time delays were they were, they were trying to hit a, at every. That was one of the criticisms I had of the WrestleMania. You could see they were trying to hit times. Like they weren't ever going to go more than ten, fifteen minutes. There's a thing I, I remember seeing at the time that they. Because whenever they do these outdoor WrestleManias, especially, I don't know if it's the same for indoors, but they have agreements with the the councils, I guess, um, of of the city they're in about when they're going to finish because it's late at night and they've got noise and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I remember seeing that I think they had up until midnight or something um, and it would have been t- it was touch and go, basically. But Ali, you say it felt short, but really it was the longest match of night one. It was the second um, longest match of the weekend. Uh, yeah. I, did, I don't think the match felt short. I just think I wish he was in the hurt a lot longer because, for me, Drew McIntyre is like the most viable challenger to Bobby Lashley. But he met the same, exactly the same fate, if not worse, than every other every other person that Bobby Lashley's beaten over the last six months. You know, like it, yeah. it didn't feel like Drew was tougher for toughing it out a bit longer than anybody else. And I feel like what you want from your Babyface challenger is to be like, you know, so close but not quite there. And I felt like 
maybe if he'd broken out of it and then got locked back in it straight away or something, something like that might help. Or passed out yeah. while like an inch away from the rope, yeah. like reaching and his hands drops or something like uh, maybe perhaps something a bit more visual than just having Bobby Lashley kind of sit on top of him. Um, yeah. But yeah, Bobby Lashley retains, which um, I was surprised by, but not necessarily that disappointed because I do like Drew, but at the same time, it would have been a bit of a shame for Bobby Lashley just to cut him off short at a one-month reign. Um, yeah. So interesting to see where they go, I think. Um, won't spend too much time on this one because it was a bit of a clusterfuck, but the tag team turmoil for the, the women's tag team championships went down. Um, five teams, ten women. Um, their clothes. <laughs> yeah, won't, won't touch on that too much, but um, <laughs> the... Uh, uh, it, it was just very strange. Obviously, like it was one of those matches where it didn't need to take place at Mania. Um, it was it's designed to get as many people on Mania as possible. I'm annoyed. I wanted the Riot Squad to win mainly because they were the only people in the match who've been a team longer than six months. <laughs> with Dana and Mandy being the other longest ones, and it's it's this a symptom of their whole women's tag division. Tag team, isn't it? Yeah, I'll just throw two people together and that'll work. But tag teams, but women's tag teams especially, they just seem to. If you are an, uh, an established women's tag team, you are getting nowhere near those fucking titles. <laughs> oh, you, you you two have just put yourselves together this week. Yeah, you have a title match. Like this just seems to be how it goes with these titles. I don't no understand it. I don't get they it. They won it and then did fuck all with it, and you're like, they're an actual tag team. Yeah. The only tag, the only tag teams you really have, officially, not well, not officially, but like who you would say, yeah, they're a tag team, are Riot Squad. <laughs> I I still don't really consider Nia Jackson, Shayna Baszler a tag team. But this like, is what I've said. Why have why even have that them titles? Why even have that? I don't. Yeah, I I was all for it at the start because I thought they're going to make more out of this. I'm going to make some teams and maybe they'll call some people up from NXT to help fill it. Um, and it just hasn't it hasn't worked out at all. It just seems like next to twenty four seven championship that's the most it's the least thought about title um, from a creative perspective, um, and it is a shame because they made out as if they were doing the world a favor by adding it. And they haven't cared about them since. So, I don't know. But in the end, the, the Talia and Tamina won. Why add a title if you're just going to... Like, not even... I don't I don't even think the women's roster is big enough for two um, uh, champions, if I'm going to be honest. I think... I think, yeah, I think it probably is. But yeah, the, the, the tag title situation... This definitely isn't big enough for that. I mean, it ha- you'd have to be, you'd have to expand the NXT women's roster considerably and then use them on Raw and SmackDown or at least have the champions go more regularly to NXT. Yeah, over the, the year and a bit that they've had the titles, they went to NXT, what, about three times? I think it's three times, yeah. And now NXT had their own women's tag team titles. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I definitely don't think that the amount of women on the roster throughout the whole company is big enough for two women's tag teams championship title belts you know what type yeah two 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 um singles women's tags i think is fine 
because you split them across both shows and if especially if you didn't have the women's tag team ones because there is a women's tag team's title if they are feuding with anyone that takes up four whole women potentially across both brands my fucking camera is pissing me off <laughs> sorry if anyone's watching the video not that anyone really does but you know um so yeah it's need to address and something they need to fix um but... to be honest they have the same problem in the men's tag team division as well it's not just a women's tag team problem yeah, yeah. i 100 percent agree with the tag team should be there should just be one tag title but I think yeah. going back to the match, I think the the um, probably the most memorable part of it was Mandy Rose falling over before it, and that probably tells you everything you need to know about the match. Okay. It was a bit of a cluster. I'm just, I knew WWE was going to do what they did on Raw. I don't know if you watched yeah. it, but I, um, it's going to be it's going to become a thing if it if it hasn't already. It's, it's so typical. Um, what but, happened to you, Raw? Basically, Nia Jack slipped getting into the ring after making fun of Dana, uh, uh, making fun of Mandy about it. And then, <laughs> this was the weirdest thing. During the match, the, she got knocked to the out. She got knocked to the outside. Uh, so Nia went to get back into the ring. She got back. She went. She stepped back on the thing and then slipped and fell back out. Um, and Dana and Mandy were laughing at her, and she got really angry. So she got back into the ring. Dana and Mandy left the ring. And just walked off. They were like, nah, not worth it. And got counted out. It was really bad. She was in the ring raging. And they were just like, yeah, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Leave it. And it was like, why the fuck should we care about wrestlers winning and losing if they literally don't care about winning and losing? Like, at least have Nia Jax get counted out because of it. And they at least win the match. But it was just so weird. And shit. It was really bad. (laughs) Yeah, the, Um, the match. The match. Mania was it felt like it was rushed it felt like they went oh we had 10 minutes well now you've got six uh, so do everything you needed to do I don't know how long it went in the end it probably went a bit longer 14 it went 14 minutes right well it felt like they were like okay you have 20 oh actually now you've got 15 uh, so you know cut five minutes of action now and that's when probably what I think most people were expecting was that Naomi and Lana would go quite far and they went after like a minute <laughs> Yeah, and do you know what seriously annoys me? How can Tamina not do a splash? I know. I, she's got the worst splash in the business. I've always said that she it. can't do. It's the it's the Give one thing that anyone. It's the one thing that people like associate with Tamina. Other than, so I, I told you this out last week, but ninety percent of Tamina and Nia Jax's matches are them walking up to another larger woman, and the commentators being, "Oh, this is going to be good," and it, it never is. Yeah, and and then on SmackDown we got a Tamina versus Nia Jax. I was like, oh for fuck, they're not even going to wrestle. They're just going to stare at each other. Um, but yeah. Anyway, m- moving on. Um, yeah, Natalia and Tamina picking up the win. Um, what was a good watch, but was I thought uh, disappointingly short. Could have maybe cut some time off the previous match was um, Cesaro versus Seth Rollins in Cesaro's one-on-one WrestleMania debut. Which is mental when he's been there 10 years now. Firstly, mental that he's been there 10 years, but um, yeah, secondly, mental that this was his first singles match. Um, again, I agree, a little bit shorter than I would have hoped, but it was fun to watch. It was a fun watch. It just felt 
So this was this was a match which, in my eyes, felt a little bit. I know they've been viewed in for a few weeks now, and Solaris sort of been on this upward curve, but this felt a little bit throwaway. It felt like you just need to get Steph Rollins on the show, so find him someone to face a little bit. Yeah, and then it's like Seth, who do you want to face at Mania? That's that's what it felt like. Yeah. Oh, you've come back, Seth. Thanks for that. Um, would you want to do it at Mania? Oh no, I'll have my mate Cesaro. <laughs> Regardless of what it felt like. And it, it's cool because yeah. they got a really good match and we haven't seen it particularly often, if ever, I don't know. Um, Their last WWE. singles match was apparently 2014. Hmm. So, yeah, for a long time. so it felt fresh and it, you know, it was a good match, but it, again, it felt a little bit short, but it did what it needed to do. It got Cesaro, you know, a good win at WrestleMania. Seth doesn't need it, so yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I think um, it, yeah, it could have been one of those where um, perhaps it could have been the main event or, or something, uh, something a bit more elevated and get a bit more time at another pay per view. Um, but it's still good enough for for a mania match. I think um, it was similar to Kevin and Sammy on night two, and I think they didn't have a lot of time, so they just went fuck it, let's just go out and do shit because um, yeah. it did see it started off very fast. Um, so, you, can just, but, yeah. you can just tell when people are naturally comfortable with each other in the ring yeah it was like it felt short but i think although it was 11 and a bit minutes it 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 only felt really short because i wanted to see more whereas because we know they're both capable of way way more um, yeah and it it doesn't necessarily i think with the way it's ended it doesn't necessarily have to be the end of the story um it could just kind of be a middle of the road point. I mean, maybe get something more at backlash, for example. Um, but yeah, yeah it's, WrestleMania it's, backlash. Thank you. WrestleMania backlash. Sorry. Or, Give it its full name. Yeah, that's another one of those WWE things that annoys me about the, the wording of things, or how it always has to be like, like the brawn on on Raw was like, and as you saw, I defeated Shane McMahon inside of a steel cage at WrestleMania on Saturday night, and it's just like whatever fucking talks about talks like that. It's just too many words. Um, a man of not too many words, Omos, makes his WWE debut in ring debut anyway. Wins the Raw Tag Team Championships off the New Day alongside AJ Styles. Um, I thought. The New Day put him over so much. They made yeah. him look like an absolute stunner. Yeah, I think um, the story of the match, it, in a way, it was it was almost kind of like um, AJ was the babyface in trying to get the hot tag, but it was is done in a way because you know that Om- Omos is such a big threat um, and. <laughs> my favourite thing about the match was um, uh, was the commentator. I think it was Samoa Joe. While they had AJ in the corner, said he said something like, "I oh, and you could see they're they're very smart. They've been cutting off the ring this entire match." And as he was saying that to the camera, Xavier Wood was like, "And as you can see, we are effectively cutting off the ring. We're very <laughs> smart." <laughs> it's just stuff like that that really do always make me laugh. Just these ad libs. Um, yeah, like you said, they, the the minute Omos got in, it was game, it was game over. Um, it was only about another two minutes after that, but he is a fucking huge man <laughs> wrestling in a strange attire. I would admit, oh, it's very um, a button up lycra 
vest. <laughs> but you know, it was it, yeah, it was like he had WrestleMania at eight and dinner plans at nine, some of that I don't know, but um yeah, got the win. AJ's I now Grand Slam champion. Like, what can he do? Like, in ring get, or? Yeah, I get what they're trying to do with him. But is he gonna be that good if he's on his own? Seems to move quite well. Um the question will be uh how like who wins it off them and then how does it go from there with in terms of his relationship with AJ? Because I'm assuming that when they lose the titles it'll be AJ who takes the pin. Um so it'll be interesting to see where they go with it. Um I'm glad they finally got him wrestling because it makes sense after all these months of him being AJ's manager that you back him up as a teammate, um, for example. So um yeah, interesting to see where they go. Um I'm not too Although I love the New Day, I'm not too um, displeased about them losing the titles because they just have. They, I'm sure they'll get them again in another couple of months anyway. So, uh, I mean, they're 11 time champs, right? So they'll be on their 12 probably in approximately three months' time. Exactly. So, um, if not yes. a backlash at WrestleMania, backlash. <laughs> WrestleMania backlash. Yeah. Uh, so, we'll, uh, we'll move on to the final three matches of night one. Um, I'm not, I don't have too much to say about this one, to be honest. Braun Strowman versus Shane McMahon in the steel cage match. Um, I can give you a few words it. about it. Terrible build, decent match. That's what yeah, I that, yeah, I enjoyed the match. I, I don't know why Michael Cole reacted to Shane being thrown off the cage to the mat as if it was the most damnedest thing he'd ever seen in his life. Yeah. I mean, I was, don't get me wrong, that was but, quite tame. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I I got I got tricked into into assuming because it's Shane McMahon we're going to get something a bit crazier than what we actually got. Um, my initial thought was, you know, a couple of years ago when Braun basically did a choke slam off the top to Kevin Owens through the announce table, mm. I thought we were going to get that. Then, as he was on the top and he threw Shane off while he was in midair, I thought Shane was going to go through the ring. Um, and I thought, I suppose it's WrestleMania, they're probably not going to do that. Um, yeah, and then he just hit the floor, picked him up, slammed him one, and I was like, "Yeah, obviously, I'm sure it hurt, but by Shane's standards, it was a bit tame." Um, but yeah, I agree with Ali. A terrible build, right? Very simple message behind it: don't be a dick, don't be a bully, don't call someone stupid or whatever. But yeah, it's. I feel like the the messaging is you could if. You have to be some bully to even bully Braun Strowman. <laughs> like, the guy's an absolute unit and could kill you. And it's, yeah, it, it doesn't suit Braun. I don't think that role suited Braun very well. Underdog baby face. And also, yeah. at no point at no point in the build-up did, uh, did Elias and Jackson Riker ever really, um, say, like, hold Braun down while Shane would beat him up or whatever. Shane legitimately took him out in that time where he got slimed. He put him through the table. He got slimed and all that kind of stuff. Like Shane just did that. <laughs> like, yeah. like this fucking fifty-year-old Shane McMahon part-time wrestler just took out Braun Strowman. Like, I mean, he did hit him with a camera to do it, but yeah. But I mean, it's all's all's fair in hopscotch and slime, right? That's the same. Hopscotch, hopscotch, hopscotch. Um. But yeah, it's a bit of a shame. Um, but yeah, decent match overall. Um, what ended up being 
uh, something that a lot of people are saying is the best celebrity match ever um, is Bad Bunny and Damian Priest defeating The Miz and John Morrison. Now, Matt, you haven't actually seen this match, have you? No, I couldn't bring myself to watch it. Was that before? Um, what, did you make that decision yeah. before or after the bunnies came down to the ring? Um, before, because I watched the build-up and I was just like... Like, I obviously haven't watched Raw or SmackDown for a very long time. So you're hoping, if you haven't, that the the promo before it will be like, right, this will get me into it. This will make me really want to see this match. And I was just like, nope. Fast forward this shit. Well, speaking of the promos, I thought all throughout the weekend, some of the pre-match promos for, for the, the, the important WrestleMania matches were some of the best stuff they've done in a long time. Um, and this one in particular made me realize, like, throughout watching Raw week to week and stuff, there's, there's a few kind of interactions here and there. But this one made me realize how how much they'd actually done and, and built the story and across various different episodes of Raw. Um, and that's, I... Just to cut you off there, I think that's one of the things that surprised me was that so Frankie asked how long Bad Bunny's been on TV. And I was like, well, he was at the Royal Rumble. And actually, he's been on Raw pretty much every single week since then. Doing yeah. something. Tri- Triple H said in an interview um, a couple of weeks ago that I think the day after the Rumble, if not, no, I think the day before the Rumble, he rented a house in Florida somewhere in Tampa, I think it was, um, rented a house and has been at the Performance Center every day since. Um, which typically for a celebrity match i'm i'm not interested i i don't care i know celebrities going to come in and they're just going to they tend to to waltz over a, a, a current active wrestler who's supposed to be one of the best in the world and make them look a bit shit and i always think like that doesn't that wouldn't happen in in boxing i'm like a, a random celebrity an actor's not going to come in after a month of training and beat anthony joshua it doesn't happen um so I usually don't care, but I was intrigued about this one because I knew how much of a fan he was and apparently how much work he's gone um, put into it. And also because of the how famous he is now. I suppose for, for people like us who maybe aren't in his demographic, um, it doesn't really uh, resonate that much. But he's, he's the most, he was the most streamed artist in Spotify in the whole of 2020. That's with over like a billion listens and he's got like something like over, over 30 million followers on instagram and stuff like that and he's posting i had a look yesterday he was regularly posting clips of his time in wwe um like clips from raw and stuff like that so getting a lot of I'm sure he would have got a lot of people watching i've never heard him i've uh, heard I've... of him but i'd not listened to any of his music before I was the same. I, like Raw Rumble, I was sort of like, oh, this is not my style of music, but I get it's probably popular now because I'm not in touch with modern music. I've reached that age. Um, and it's like, whatever. And then sort of, WWE started to really hammer home how big a deal it is, which they, you know, they're probably entitled to do. And then he starts creeping into other parts of your life. You start hearing other people start talking about him in other things and how popular he is. And you, you look on social media and see how many people interact with him. And you start to understand, actually, this is a really big deal. Um, 
even though, as you said, we're not his actual demographic, I don't think. Um, it, it, even, even I was aware after after a few weeks that this is a really, really big get for WWE. And too right, are they going to milk yeah. it for all this work? Yeah, it brings eyes to the product that probably wouldn't have been watching otherwise. Mm. Yeah, so I think they... They've handled Bad Bunny's time there really well. Um, I actually tweeted out as well, I think just before Mania, about how um, I feel like at the moment WWE is a bit more in touch with current pop culture than they have been in previous years. Um, not just specifically because of Bad Bunny, but also they they'd striked up some kind of relationship, even if it's only short-lived with Logan Paul, who is also a massive star, <coughs> at least in America. Um, a lot of people don't like him, but that also works for a WWE program where he could be a dick heel, uh, for example. Um, but also it just seems that with a lot of the roster, I guess, perhaps being um, perhaps the average age is a bit younger than, than it has been in previous years. But it just seems that the superstars themselves are allowed to portray these kind of bit more kind of, I don't know, everyday people um, who are more in touch with pop culture rather than these characters that exist outside of the real world. Um, I'm not sure, but to me it seems that way anyway. Um, so yeah, Bad Bunny had a very impressive debut. I don't know about you, but 99% of what I've seen on the internet have been raving about the match. Um, Matt, it was the, the reason why you didn't watch it just because you're not interested in the build-up with this with a celebrity, or was there anything particularly that turned you off? I just don't like celebrity matches. And, like If I'm going to go back and watch a WrestleMania, you're going to skip that match. It's not going to give me anything that I want to see. And I get that it's bringing eyes to the product, but I don't care after it. I agree with that. I think if, if you were ever to re watch WrestleMania for whatever reason, you're not going to go back to a celebrity match because, you know, once WrestleMania is done, the celebrity's gone, right? So like, it doesn't mean anything after. Um, I think what you missed actually was um, a lifelong WWE fan who happens to be a massive celebrity now, essentially living his dream. And I think that was quite a cool thing to see. It, it, it was it, evident it, as well. Yeah. It was, it was yeah. very clear. But a lot of people yeah. would say, oh, yeah, you know, I, I watched it growing up and stuff. But he was like, you could tell. And it's it's been part of his his character before his time in WWE, a lot, a lot. You see him out in public, and he's got wrestling like merch. Um, he's got a Kane-inspired outfit. I don't know if you've seen it, which is very cool. Um, hey, song about Booker T. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I think in terms of cele- how celebrity matches go, this one felt the least like a celebrity match in terms of actual match content. Um, Bad Bunny surprisingly spent 75% of the match in the ring um, rather than him getting the hot tag. It was him actually building up to get the tag to Damian Priest. Um, I mean, he did a dive off the top rope to the floor. He did a Canadian destroyer to the floor. <laughs> um, his offense looked good. He didn't it, like, there was a few kind of, I guess, shame at band type punches. Um, but it's to be expected, I guess, when you're not a seasoned professional wrestler, you just go throw some punches. Um, but, yeah, overall, I was. Yeah, there was a couple moments where you could tell, that, like there, there was the inexperienced signs and, and kind of 
sometimes he was not quite in the right position, so they had to adjust him and stuff like that. But yeah. uh, and you could tell, obviously, Miz and uh, Miz especially was walking him through the match a lot verbally. Um, but yeah, I think it went about as well as it could have possibly done. The crowd were massively into it all the way from entrance to exit. Um, and uh, yeah, I thought, I just thought it was really good. And what I did like, how you, how you mentioned Ali about how normally the celebrity comes in and they disappear after WrestleMania. I at least liked that on Sunday, we got that little video like, advertising his tour, basically, where Triple H says, you did great, now go do your thing. At least it gives an explanation as to why we're not seeing him in the immediate future. Yeah. We yeah, may see him cool. down the line. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it, it kind of leaves the door open. I think I was really happy that the fans didn't shit on it. Um, yeah. Because it... But I think that really added to it because when you get those awkward celebrity ones where they're supposed to be a big deal and everybody hates them um, and they're not supposed to, that's always a bad thing. But I think everyone just got caught up with it. It's just like, oh, this guy's a fan like me and you. Yeah, he's massively famous, but he's just living his dream and we can live vicariously through that. Um, Some people might look at that like, oh, he gets to do it and I don't. But like, everybody understands why. It's a, it's a, you know, it works for him and it works for WWE. And I think it was just really cool that the fans bought into it. I think he's obviously massive, massive deal amongst the Latin population. Yeah, I think a Florida crowd. Probably, as well. Yeah, yeah, there's probably a large proportion of those in Florida. So um, I think that really helped. And the match, he put in so much effort over the last two, three months, and the match was a great blow off for it. Um, what I would say is. Massive, massive kudos for Miz to Miz and Morrison. Firstly, Miz is always willing to embarrass himself uh, for for the benefit of WWE. He even did it on Raw again. Um, and Morrison is such a great wrestler that he can make anybody look good. Uh, credit to Damian Priest as well, because for someone who's relatively green, especially at this level, um, he he was a really good foil for for Bad Bunny. He was sort of a really good not mentor because. He didn't have to do a lot of mentoring. He didn't really have to do much in the match either. But he was he was coaching him throughout the match, like on the side, where he was yeah. like, now throw him in the corner and do this and stuff. And I I think they've got quite big hopes and expectations for Damian Priest, and I do as well. I really like him. Um, and yeah, I'll be interested to see where he goes now without the Bad Bunny association on TV. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you say, Miz and Morrison Probably be great. He won't be on TV for about four months. <laughs> <laughs> he is on Raw. Um, yeah, but he was in a handicap match against Miz and Morrison. <laughs> yeah. Miz, so they wrestled in the, in suits and stuff because they weren't ready for the match. And Miz got pantsed. Um, his, his, trousers, his trousers got pulled off. So he was just in his pants. And Maurice was like hiding him and stuff. And Miz was trying to hide. I was like, you wrestle in pants every fucking week. What's the difference? His boxes were longer than his, his wrestling trunks. Like, he was in like brief pants. Yeah, it just didn't make sense to me um, as to why that's so embarrassing. Oh, my camera's gone. Oh, huh. has it fixed itself? <laughs> no, it has No, it's not flickering so much. So. That's a win. Um, but yeah, as it was a win for Bad Bunny and Damien Priest. Now we move on to the main event. For the first time in history, in WrestleMania history anyway, two black women main event WrestleMania. We had two women in a singles match as the main event, two black women in the main event. Overall, a resounding success. Crowd response, match quality, end result. 
think everything was great. Don't know about you. Absolutely brilliant. I think they got this so spot on um, that it's it's very WWE are very hit and miss for their main events, WrestleMania main events specifically. The, I think it was so refreshing to see it just go exactly how it should have done, rather than any sort of weird. Don't overcomplicate it. Yeah, don't, don't overcomplicate it. You yeah. built you built Bianca up as a babyface, but before Royal Rumble, you know, going against Bailey after Royal Rumble, having won it. You've built her up all this time. Don't squander it. You've built a star. Now take it to the next level, you know, have her win. Uh, it would have been easy for them to have Sasha win because you can use the excuse to Bianca's bit, bit green, bit inexperienced, but she'll have her time later down the line. But why waste all of that momentum? And it's like, it's like finally, for once, they actually just went with the, you know, the easy decision uh, and the right decision. And you can see how much it meant to both of them as well, which I think really added to the match, actually. Yeah, Matt. What did you make of the whole the whole package? I loved it, and I'm not I'm not a Sasha Banks fan. You know that I've had my issues with her, but I tell you what, they smashed it out of the park. And do you know what I really loved the beginning bit where Bianca Belair started to cry. You like she really feels this, and this is her moment, and she did not like disappoint. Um, sorry, was... I'm gonna just turn my laptop charger on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you're right, man. She, um, Two hours and it's not been charging. She, uh, she, she was getting emotional at the start. I mean, it's as was Sasha, but you could tell yeah. how much it meant. Sasha was a bit more composed. She was able to kind of hold it in, but you could tell in her face that she was feeling it too. Um, but yeah, I, I was, I was happy to see it. Um, I should do that more. I think. Yeah, why not? Yeah, like, I, mean, I think it does mean something to these people, like to be in the main event. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's human beings behind the characters, and um, it was their their moment from a personal perspective, but also from they were both very aware and had talked a lot about the fact that they were representing black women and, or black people in general. Um, I think, with with the exception of of Roman Reigns. Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks are probably the two most well-positioned superstars that WWE have to transition into the mainstream. I think Sasha Banks especially, they could easily push to... Uh, they, they will say Charlotte Flair, but um, I think Sasha especially, they could make the face of their women's division and just have her as... Uh, I, don't, I don't know, but just try and make them and make her their Stone Cold or Rock, or John Cena, for example. I think she's. I think she's halfway there, if not three quarters of the way there. I think. Um, she, she, well, Sasha. Sasha fans are probably some of the most intense fans you'll ever meet as well. So I think that helps. Um, but yeah, I've, Bianca as well. She's got such a great sort of appeal to her because she's very, very much like a. A bit of a, a baby dog, a baby face underdog, um, but she's not an underdog because she's so athletically gifted. Uh, but she's it's almost like she doesn't. It's like she doesn't realise how athletically gifted she is, even though she goes on about it in her, you know, <laughs> all the time. But like in, yeah. in wrestling, she's, it's sort of like this is still quite new to her, and it's great to go along on that journey with her. Um, so I think she's got quite a lot of mainstream appeal. I read a few tweets that said they were really disappointed with the ending of this. 
because she used her hair. I'm like, have you not seen her before? Like, <laughs> have you not seen any NXT uh, matches she's ever done? Yeah, well, this was the first time she used it on the main roster. Because I, I, I tweeted during Survivor Series, why don't they let her use it anymore? It's such a good thing that she used to do. Makes more sense as a heel. Um, but, yeah, I, I didn't know why they wouldn't let her. But then having not seen it in well over a year at this point, to her, for her to not only bust it out, but bust it out in the immediate build-up to the finish, like she hit it and then 10 seconds later the match was over, it made it it made people who'd seen it before remember how how loud and brutal it can be and for people who've not seen it before you go holy fucking shit like that's so smart like when i tweeted it out at the time i said why don't they let her use it and someone responded saying it's an illegal move i was like but it, it's a part of you like a clothesline isn't illegal um and it was like, oh, but it, it's not a part of your body. It's like an accessory. It's like, um, like you can't use a boot. But it's like, well, you could use a boot if it's attached to your foot. Like, it's, it, it, it might be a grey area for some, but for me, I think it's a thing that she should bust out like at the most important of times. I mean, if Sasha was a... I don't really get what Sasha's character is, whether she's Facebook here. I think she's playing the tweener role because Bianca's a face. But like, if Sasha wants to go full-on heel, she could use that as part to, to further the story, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah not allowed to have that hairpiece on when we wrestle next. Yeah, yeah, I mean that could work. But yeah, like like I was saying about my earlier point with these two women, especially, I think are very much they they feel um, in touch with a lot of the the current young the, the younger demographic and a lot of pop culture and stuff. So I feel like they WWE should do all they can to push these two women specifically into the, uh, like don't, the the mainstream don't yeah don't force don't, it down our throats don't yeah don't every, don't tell us every, to like them and don't do it every week and then do it as a pay-per-view and then do it every week and then do another pay-per-view we don't want to see it every week yeah we don't have to see them story. against each other all the time either but just have these two women as, as to, the, to, to the public these are the these are our people you should watch the show because of these people. And um, yeah, I, I don't see many, many people, especially in the women's division, who would be better equipped. So that was night one, which I think overall is um, the general consensus is it was better. It was the better night. Um, what, did, would you agree with that statement? Do you have any, any disputes? I think I would agree. I don't, I don't think it's as clear cut as, a lot of people have made out like that. That night two was bad, and night one was really good. I, I think they Probably were both equally as good as I, each yeah. other. I think they were both. Yeah. Good. Um, I think maybe night one probably just edged it, probably because it was the first night and it was a bit more exciting to have the fans for there for the first time. I don't know about you guys, but like by the end of the show, I just kind of fully got used to the crowd again. So it's like night two yeah. is sort of like it's not as much of a novelty anymore. So it didn't add as much to it. Um. But I, I would I would say night one was probably slightly better than night two, but they were both good. Yeah, I would agree. There, there wasn't a massive difference between the two, in my opinion. But um, yeah, night one just had a bit more of that energy about it um, that that always helps with a show when it has kind of that sense of urgency in a way and unpredictability. Um, and yeah, overall, I would say night one was better. But night two started off with. Um, Randy Orton versus The Fiend. Probably the lesser, uh, the better. <laughs> I was surprised this opened the show, 
to be honest. I don't know why. I just felt like it would go on kind of second last, maybe. Um, but yeah, we, we started the show. It was only a couple minutes long. Um, but what do we make of what actually happened when it comes to Alexa Bliss's involvement in this? Well, I think a lot of people misunderstood it at the time. Um, yeah. Because my understanding was that she cost Bray the match. Whereas other people were sort of like, oh, she was just using it as a sign of power and Bray got distracted by it accidentally. Um, but, you know, in my, from what, from my position where I was viewing it from, it felt a lot like she cost him the match on purpose. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of what, that's all I took away from it. That, okay, Bray and Alexa aren't together anymore. Yeah, my my initial thought, um, especially upon watching it on the replay, was I thought that Alexa was basically gonna come out and say, "I'm I'm the captain now." Like she she's gonna control him yeah. in a way. They'd, they'd still be together, but she would control him, and it her effectively making him lose was her way of saying, "I've I've actually been in control all along." Um, what we actually ended up getting on Raw is basically her saying, "I, I didn't need the feed overall uh, in the end. Like I've, I've always had this darkness in me. I don't need him anymore. Um, I'm gonna fuck shit up." But uh, it's a bit of a shame. I think they've been. I think it's been good for both of them to have them together and it'll be interesting I, this won't be the end of it it's not just going to be cut off now all of a sudden i think there will be some kind of overlap in the next coming months um what do we think are we disappointed with how it turned out i mean as a spectacle it was really good it, it was cool i think the the shot of the fiends uh, sort of rising, rising up hell and walking through the, the flames to like, change his attire back to his old one was pretty cool very unrealistic, but you know, hey, you suspended disbelief when it comes to the fiends yeah. and your storyline. But um, and then the big jacket, the big box like structure. <laughs> I hated that you said that. But, oh, the box. Face first into the, the box like structure. Fuck off, Michael Cole. I mean, that was a pretty cool visual to kick off the show. Uh, and overall, I mean, the red light was back. I bet people hated that. And I thought it was all right. But yeah, just, just from a from a match point of view, I think it got them to where they wanted to be, which was the storyline with Bray and Alexa. Uh, Randy was kind of just a byproduct, which feels a little bit of a shame given how intense the rivalry's been. Yeah, that that was that's yeah, it But it built up to something, and then uh, sort of let me down in the end. I feel like it. A lot more would have been made on of this match if if there was no live crowd and they could have maybe done a pre-recorded thing, yeah. Um, yeah. they could have done a real fire fest and all of this shit going on. Um, but yeah, the moment you have li a live crowd back, you can't do that in the terms of in a, in a wrestling arena. You could, you could do it. So it's outside of wrestling, but you can pretend like they do in the Thunderdome that this thing they recorded earlier is actually happening right now. Um, so yeah, I it was a bit. Ask, how long do you think the fiend can go on for? I think he's got to be smart and, and change it up a little bit. Um, I'm getting. I don't know if I with Alexa sort of turning on him, so to speak. I don't know if I'm getting pain 
vibes. You know, when he sort of fell in love with Tory and, you know, people started turning their back on him and he became a lot more vulnerable. I don't know if we're already there with the fiend. I don't think we have enough dominance from him to get to that him. stage yet. Yeah, is he just becoming a man with a mask rather than a monster? Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah I, I, mean, think, I think he, he needs to have a really good... Because like, for the most part, his program's pretty decent, but I think he needs to have a really good standout match and like main event, for example, because for the most part, as the Fiend character, the matches have been quite disappointing, I think. they the Brian right one, I think, other than that. Yes, yeah. but... Cool. They don't. They don't go very long, which you don't always need for a for a monster character or whatever. But um, <laughs> when you're facing the likes of Randy Orton and to get beaten by perhaps one RKO, when we saw it took like eleven stomps from Seth Rollins, for example, it, this is a bit fell a bit flat. Um, and yeah, I think he needs his, his next six months to a year in this character could be quite vital for the longevity of the fiend or whether he goes yeah, to back to Bray Wyatt. Um so yeah, bit bit of a shame in that it, it was a cool start but also relatively flat in terms of the match in the end the crowd when they just disappeared, crowd were like fuck like <laughs> is that it? And they were quite unhappy about it. Um they were what I found were surprisingly up for the Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler defending their titles against tag team titles against Natalia and Tamina. Um, especially because in the build-up, in the months leading up to WrestleMania, Natalia and Tamina have been heels. Um, and they went into this match as the faces and the crowd kind of reacted to it in a way, um, which I more than I expected them to because it's Natalia and Tamina no one cares about. Um <laughs> But in the end, another fourteen-minute match for for the for the women's tag team division, and it was yeah, <laughs> it was alright. You know, this was better than the tag team title match. You got what you yeah. wanted. What you were going to get out of this, a bit like Drew and Bobby. Like that was a better match. But like, what more do you expect, really? I think right decision to have Nia and Shayna retain. I don't think it's the Tamina and Natty's time. I don't think it ever will be. Um, so, I mean, there's not much more you can say. It does make me laugh that Talia saying we um we stop living off our family name, and then the three biggest spots of the match were the sharpshooter, the heart attack, and the splash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, really, you want to maybe yeah. stop doing them then instead? Yeah. Um, but yeah, they they didn't win. Um, I think if they were to if they if they take the titles off um, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler, in my opinion, they that has to be the end of that team, and Shayna Baszler should go off towards the Raw Tag Team, uh, the Raw Women's Championship. Um, they shouldn't go back and try and fight for those titles again because it didn't seem like they wanted. They didn't want to be a team in the first place. They still don't seem a hundred percent coherent with each other or cohesive, rather. Um, it annoys me because I feel like, like a little bit like they've watered down Shayna Baszler massively. She she doesn't feel as tough anymore. Yeah. Well, I, I I thought that with Charlotte's absence in that in that short period where Charlotte went away immediately after, um, immediately after Shayna kicked Asuka's teeth out, and when Asuka came back two or three weeks later and beat the shit out of Shayna, I thought, oh, this is where we're going for Mania. This would be cool because um, there was a bit of mystery around Charlotte at the time. Did she have COVID? Was she leaving? Was there something going on with Andrade? All that kind of stuff. Um, 
and it didn't seem like she was going to be at WrestleMania. So I thought that would be where we were going to go, and it would be better than what we got at Elimination Chamber last year, where Shayna beat everyone in two minutes and no one really cared. Um, but I think she still has the ability to easily switch switch on the kind of killer Shayna that we were seeing before, that we saw Mania in NXT to escalate herself towards Paz Rhea Ripley after WrestleMania backlash. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It was a bit. It's a shame with Shayna, but it was. I guess it was expected, really, because it's just what happens with NXT call ups. Yeah, true. Yep. I think it was a little bit criminal that this match went longer than most of the other matches on the card. In fact, I think it was the second longest match of the night, and probably the fourth or fifth longest match of the whole weekend. Second longest match of the night. It went five whole minutes longer than Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, which, which is criminal. Yeah, from a, from from a wrestling fans' perspective, if you give a hundred fans the option of which match they want to go longer. 95% of them are going to say Kevin Owens and Sammy. Even with, <laughs> well, those other five will be Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, Natalia, Tamina, and Tyson Kidd. Um, uh, uh, yes, yeah, so even with a, um, uh, somewhat of a Logan Paul involvement, which very much you could tell was, was agreed um, and arranged not long ahead of Mania and there wasn't really real plan other than just to hey look there's a big superstar here let's everyone watch um, to be honest that's going back to what they used to do in the day there was no build up with Wrestlemania just had celebrities just turning up didn't it and some of them yeah. would be ring announcers some of them would be commentators some of them would be backstage sort of interviewers and that kind of thing so some in that way be, it's a lot better than it used to be some of them would be Pamela Anderson and have no idea what's going on yeah <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I think for the most part, he was only on one episode of SmackDown. He had a he had a, a pre-taped segment with Sami Zayn the following week, and then he was at WrestleMania. So, but for the most part, he's actually he's done quite well. The attention hasn't been on Logan Paul; it's still been on Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. It's been on Sami Zayn's attempt at a relationship with Logan, um, and he, he played his part quite well. Um, for the time, short time that he's been there, we didn't need to cut the camera to him every every ten seconds like we were getting in the match. His, some of his reactions were a bit weird, um, but yeah, overall I wasn't too displeased with Logan there. But what did we think of the match itself? Uh, in, in my eyes, I put this match. Sorry, Matt, you go. Go on, no, go on. I was just going to say, in, in my eyes, I put this match very much in the same camp as the Cesaro Seth Rollins one where it's sort of like we know what they that they can do so much more and go so much longer and have such a great match that it's just you just feel a little short change when you, you get what you've got. Having said that, perfectly fine match, you know? It was good. It was, it was one of the better matches of the whole weekend. It's like, okay, could have got twice the length. Know, so much more. You put these two in the ring, you know there's, it's going to be magic even if it's two minutes. Yeah. It was, it was as, about as good of a nine-minute match as you're going to get from a WWE product mid-WrestleMania. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it could, could have always gone five minutes longer, give him a bit more time to maybe slow things down a bit and tell a bit more of a story because it, did, it, it was very much kind of go, go, go. Um, but I think um, right result in the end, 
with Kevin winning and then also Kevin giving a stunner to Logan Paul because who doesn't want to see that? Um, and I think this further adds fuel to Sami Zayn's conspiracy fire and I'm, I'm interested to see where he's going to go next. Because um, I'm sure now he's going to go even further off the deep end. Just feel WWE is massively missed the mark on both of them. Like, they both could be like the faces of the company, but they just won't do it. I think they've done good. Pull the trigger. I think they've done good work with both of them at at separate times. Um, and never at the never at the same time. Also, never for a real prolonged period of time. Um, I feel like that that Kevin's feud with Roman over the winter. Um, if fans were there, I feel like they would have been going nuts for Kevin. Um, we would have been getting yeah. some mental reactions, especially in that TLC match that they had. Um, but yeah, they, they've done good things at good times with them. But yeah, it's never been the consistent, like, these are our guys pushed. I don't think we'll ever get that with Sammy, um, personally. And Kevin, he apparently he has quite um, quite big backstage pull. Um, I'm hearing a story once, apparently Vince takes his opinion quite um, quite highly, which I find is quite interesting because I, I wouldn't have necessarily thought that was the case. I think he needs to run as champion. I really do. Yeah. He needs a second one where he is the main focus. When yeah. he was Universal Champion, he had him and Chris Jericho, yeah, they were the most entertaining thing on Raw every week. But it was never like Kevin could go out and do it himself, which is fine as a heel champion. But there were some times when you just think, like, have this guy. Like, just let him let him go with it, really. Um, I'm I'm let not sure cut, with what they do with Kevin next. Let him cut his own promos as well, because he's so much better when he's just literally off the cuff. Yeah, these these two in general, I think I tweeted a couple of weeks ago, I think are the two best natural talkers in WWE. That doesn't necessarily mean they're the best promo guys, which they might well be, but just hit, like... I never hear a promo from either of these two and think, oh, that was really scripted. It always comes yeah. across very natural, which I don't know if it's kind of maybe a Canadian thing or I find a lot of the independent guys are very good at their promos. Like Adam, Adam Cole, for example, is very similar. Yeah, I think they have to be from where they've come from. I think it's the Ring of Honor thing. Like, yeah. You have to be good on a promo because basically the uh, fans will shit on you if you're not. Yeah. Yeah, so um doesn't doesn't surprise me that those two are, are just so kind of fluid and natural with their promos. But um yeah, I'll be interested to see where they go next. Kevin Owens, I think, won't go after Roman Reigns again, but um potentially maybe are we due in... superstar shake up. Well the the last draft was only well, I think it was October or something something. November, no, I think, start of November, because it was just before Survivor Series. And then three weeks later, everyone was like, oh, I love the brand I'm currently on. Like, yeah. No, you don't. Uh, I, I, I feel Kevin Owens could do a lot on Raw. Yeah, we always say someone could do a lot on Raw, and then they never get to fucking do it. <laughs> Raw's just a bit of a weird one. But um, maybe, maybe a, a feud with someone like Apollo Crews in, in a couple of months down the line for the Intercontinental title. But, yeah, I don't see him going for world titles anytime soon. Um, it's just a shame. Out of talent, that would be 
yeah. But yeah, it's a shame, but we had just seen it with him and Roman. It's not like we've got a new champion for him to face either. So that's that's why I, I'd say we wouldn't see him there. Um, speaking of new champions, then Sheamus won, captured the United States Championship from Riddle in what I thought was a pretty good match. These two had a very good match on Raw a couple of weeks back where Sheamus actually beat him just straight up. Um, and they did it again here with a, a brutal mid-air backflip bro kick, which cut Riddle's mouth up a bit. Um, I thought it was very good. Sheamus lately has been on a very, has been on a massive role in this last year. Yeah, I think this is probably just deserves the Sheamus brutal work he's put in um, over the pandemic sort of era. Um, I think this was probably surprising how good it was. Uh, you know, I don't know why it was surprising, to be honest, because Riddle's great in the ring and Sheamus is such a good hand. Um, but I was, I, I don't really, I don't find myself wanting to watch a lot of Riddle versus Sheamus or Sheamus matches in general. I just find them slightly yeah, you're not, boring. It's not one of the ones you go, oh, I'm really looking forward to this one. You sort of, <clears> this would be one you sort of think, I'll switch off a little bit here. Yeah, he's the one that actually, you, um, you, don't, you don't necessarily look no, forward to a Sheamus match, but after a Sheamus match, sometimes you go, "Oh, that was really good, actually." Like, yeah. for example, um, his match at Fastlane with um, Drew McIntyre, no disqualification or whatever it was, all around the arena, was actually really, really good. And going into it, I thought, "Yeah, it'll be all right. It's going to be hard hitting and stuff." But in the end, it was a lot better than I thought, and that's been the case with a lot of his matches over the last six months and. Um, yeah, like you said, I think he's, he's very well deserved. Um, I'd like to see him maybe go on. Hey, I'm sure it won't happen, but every time someone wins the US Championship, everyone says, "Do the open challenges and have matches with the underutilized guys." But I, in Sheamus's position as the veteran that he is and stuff, I feel like it. And and as a, as a heel champion as well, I think it'd be interesting to have him do that against the likes of Ali, Ricochet, Cedric Alexander. Angel Garza, um, Drew Gulak. I, I, I think it would be it can't hurt anyone, apart from him actually hurting people. Yeah, I, I mean that's always. I, I, I struggle to see what else they can do with Sheamus as US champion, other than give it straight back to Riddle. So, um, yeah, I think that would be the best route to go down. I, I mean, I want to see less sort of Sheamus versus other veterans that we've been seeing over the last year, Jeff Hardy, for instance. I'd like to see, as you say, the Ricochets, the, the Ali's, the, um, probably some of the, yeah, Angel Garza, who I think is... Just something we've not seen. Great. Yeah. Yeah. It feels That's... like WWE are very much recycling a lot of old shit. Mm. That's my, one of my biggest issues with WWE at the moment is... I say this all the time. You can guarantee after every single pay-per-view, there will be at least one rematch on the Raw or SmackDown immediately after. Um, and then it just go, it goes on for a bit. And it's like, why? We literally saw it the night before. But this time on Raw, we've got Asuka versus Rhea Ripley for the Raw Women's title for no reason. Like, yeah, why? I know it's, it's the Raw after Mania and they might want to make it seem more important, but it's not like Rhea cheated to win and Asuka's pissed off. Um... It's not like they said, we, like, let's have this match at Backlash or whatever. They just had a match on Raw. Um, and you can assume you'll get it at Backlash as well. Yeah, or at least a, the triple threat variation now involving Charlotte. Well, yeah. um, so, yeah, 
this, uh, yeah, another one of those things that WWE does that pisses me off. But um, this match did not piss me off. Let's just say that. Um, how many? I don't know about you, but how many Nigerian drum fights have you guys been in? A few. Um, I was in one up the other week. Um, lots of drumming. Not a lot of fighting. Well, I'll have you know, back in the day. No, none. Yeah, has anyone that was my follow up question was has anyone ever heard of a Nigerian drum fight before? Um because Apollo Cruz made this challenge on I think it was the um the last episode of of SmackDown before WrestleMania. I don't think it was the one before. Oh, I think the one before last. Just given that the one um, was a couple of days before. But at no, at no point between him making the challenge and the match starting, was there any explanation as to what it is? It's just a no disqualification match with a bunch of bongos at the side. That was it. Yeah, just drums at the side. Didn't even use. Yeah. And I think there was one crash symbol used, and that was about it. Um, yeah, but at no point I do, do I think a drum was used. It was, it was an okay match in the end. I think by this point, the crowd were maybe starting to get a bit, uh, the, the flagging a bit. Um, kind of perhaps waiting for the main event I think is probably the, the issue here is the main event that everyone wanted to see um, got a, a live performance from Wale here which I always think I struggle with live performances at wrestling but especially at Wrestlemania I forgot how obviously fake this was <laughs> yeah yeah it was, it was very very uh, lip synced um, it was just yeah live performances at Wrestlemania like the crowds are never into them and it's not like, for example, I know him and, and Biggie and Wale are friends and stuff, and Wale does his theme music or whatever. But I, from my perspective, I wouldn't say that Biggie's theme music is the most well-known theme music that everybody knows and people could potentially kind of sing along to or something, for example. I think there was a bit of a difference between this and Rhea Ripley's entrance. <laughs> yeah, and one's in the past, like Triple H and Motorhead and stuff, but it was like he's a, a main event of with a, a real song that you associate with the character. For Big E's one, all I know is the the little bit at the start, and that's it. I couldn't tell you the rest of it. Um, so yeah, those kind of performances, always, I always find they fall flat. Nobody really cares. They tend to go on a bit too long. Um, but yeah, the match was quite short in the end, six minutes fifty. It was the second shortest of the night. Um, but we got a new Intercontinental Champion out of it with Apollo Crews now teaming up with I think Babatunde no not Babatunde what's his um, Dabakato uh, from from Raw Underground um, now now that uh, Omos now that Omos has stopped guarding the door they're all getting out now um, so, yeah just a bit I don't know if you've seen the, the rumours on that but it's although we've seen him many many times on Raw and specifically Raw Underground they act like they didn't know who he was his new gimmick is going to be um, either Commodore Aziz or just Aziz, um, who is going to obviously just be Aziz. part of, of Apollo Cruz's gang, I guess, it's Nigerian true. gang, it's, even though his actual nationality do. is Polish. Why Apollo Cruz? Gonna have a fake. No. <laughs> is he going to have a is fake he... accent? Because I can't be dealing with this every week. Hopefully not. I think he has some kind of accent. I think I've heard him speak before, but yeah, it was a bit like 
At WrestleMania, you don't tend to get those kind of finishes a lot. Um, those are more reserved for the Raws and pay-per-views and, and stuff that isn't the real big stage. So um, it was a bit strange, but uh, I'm I'm fine with seeing Apollo as a, a have a heater basically. Um, and, and this is a question that literally just come to mind. Um, does do we think this potentially means any kind of summer program for the Universal Championship for Biggie? Hope so. Something different. Know. I think that he's got. Yeah, he has to obviously finish this program. And if you're going to be the babyface in an intercontinental title program, having just lost it, you would think the climax of him would, for that program would be him winning it back, which then kind of takes him out of the picture for the universal title. But maybe not. Maybe he just moves on. Yeah, well, we've seen it in the past where people they lose the mid card title and then go straight to the. The main title, well, even though they even though they lost the match, but yeah, same thing happened on Raw. Riddle yeah. lost the US title and went, all right, well, I want to fight Bobby Lashley. Then. <laughs> got absolutely destroyed, but <laughs> yeah, um, Matt, I don't know if you know by the way, but there's a new commentator on Raw now. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard it's not great. They've replaced Tom Phillips. I'll, I'll be honest. Um, I've seen a lot, a lot of people kind of shitting on him and stuff. Um, so he's, he's an ESPN guy, I believe. Um, Baseball commentator. Yeah, um, and I found it kind of refreshing in that he wasn't just the kind of your Tom Phillips, your Michael Cole, your Vic um, Josephs, like that kind of robotic. They all say the same things, really. They just have different voices. Um, yeah, you could tell, like he he was clued up on the product. Like he seemed to know. He seemed to be relatively knowledgeable. There were a couple of moments when uh, when uh, there was a, at least twice in the night where he said, "Can someone tell me what's going on?" And I wouldn't be surprised if that was legit. <laughs> um, and he produced my favorite moment of Raw, actually, where Shayna Baszler swung Nia Jackson to a corner and Corey Graves went, uh, swung like a pendulum. And he went, um, oh, well, I'm, uh, like a pendulum, this match is only swinging in one direction. And there was about two seconds of silence and Corey went, that's literally the opposite of what Pendulum does. And he was like, yeah, I realise it as I was saying it. <laughs> I did, um, you say he was clued up on the product, but he did think that Ivar was called Eric Ivar. Eric Ivar, yeah. Eric and Ivar. Which is, yeah, no. He, he said it multiple times. And it, it was like, well, do you know when commentators get something wrong and the other commentators try to like clear it up for them by saying something? So like, Without directly like, saying it to them. Yeah. Corey's like, well, Ivar's on fire. And then Adam was just like, yeah, Eric Ivar's doing great. <laughs> Eric tagging in Ivar here. Yeah. Eric Ivar with the tag. <laughs> yeah, like, I'll, I'll give him time because I think it's a good, it, it could have been a lot worse. Um, and he's obviously, he's going he's gonna to have to be around for a while. So, But did you know, since 2008, I think it is, this is the 22nd commentary team on Raw. 22nd different commentary team. That's mad considering how long JR and King were there for. Yeah. 22 different teams. Not even just like the same same team appeared a couple of times. There's 22 different combinations of people. I couldn't even tell you most of them. It's just weird. You get to the stage where you like you, you start liking a commentary team. They gel and they're doing really well. And then they're like, right, we're going to just change it now. It's like, oh, I was just getting used to this and it's not working. And yeah, I don't, it's like, Tom, I don't understand who's cornflakes Tom Phillips is pissed in, but he always gets a short, short end of the stick. 
I know. Like, I don't think it's a case that he did any. He's done anything wrong. I just think they went, "Oh, we can get a sports guy in here. That'll make us seem more cool or whatever." I and Tom Phillips is the I one that he replaces. Perfect, perfect balance. NXT. Yeah, I like. I really I like their NXT. commentary. I think Wade Barrett's a really good commentator, and now that she's back in the arenas, Beth Phoenix is doing some of the best stuff as well. Um, I think. From the main roster, their best commentary team would be, I find, Tom Phillips, Byron Saxton, surprisingly, and Corey Graves, because they're all similar age and they're all good. They all seem like good mates. They have quite a, lot, like, a good yeah. relationship with each other. It's the chemistry that does it, isn't it? And they all have a really good chemistry with each other. I'd include Samoa Joe, but I want to see him to wrestle. Um, Michael, Co- Michael Cole and Corey Graves as a duo only, I find him... A- are actually quite good. Um, my, I, I found that over WrestleMania, I don't know if, if anyone else really paid attention, but I found that over WrestleMania, Michael Cole did a lot. Of, he was annoying me less. Um, I found like when he when he gets to just kind of focus on calling the matches, um, he's a lot better. Um, and I don't know whether it's because he got to pair with someone like Samoa Joe a bit more. Um, but with him being taken off raw, it would indicate that maybe he's making an in-ring return. Hopefully. Hopefully. That's the sort of we, shadow sort of thing. You get disappointed when you hope that. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, he'll be back on comment. He'll be moved to SmackDown on commentary next week. Um, a lot of... So, just move on. We've not got a lot of time left, but we'll, we'll cover these two um, as well, obviously. But a lot of people I, um, I saw were quite disappointed with the Raw Women's Championship match and the quality of it, which... I didn't feel at the time was that bad of a, uh, a match. Sorry. Um, what did you think? Because a lot of people I saw didn't like it. I think it. I think this suffered from not being as good as Rhea versus Charlotte, um, and I think I can. You can sort of understand why. I think things people forget, and there's quite a lot of them. But Rhea Ripley's 24 years old. She's younger than me. She hasn't wrestled. She hasn't wrestled since January. Um, apart from you know when she when she came back um, to Raw, so it's sort of give her a break. Like she's gone into the one of the sort of co almost co main events of WrestleMania, and you know it's a big stage. You know they made a big deal out of how big a stage this was going to be for her last year when they did all yeah. the promos in the stadium. Um, and you know she's bound to she's bound to make a few little mistakes, which I think both of them did, both in the WrestleMania match and on the one on Raw, probably more so in the one on Raw. And it, it yeah, it probably did feel a little feel fall a little flat. I got a little bored, and you know it's just fairly late on in the program in the uh, show, so it happens. I just think it it was a victim of not being as good as last year's match for her, and also Asuka having almost no heat or momentum. Whatsoever. Also, also not being as good as Bianca and Charlotte. Yeah, that, that's the immediate comparison you make. Really, is the other women's match on the show. Um, Rhea's been quite open in in talking about over the last year since that last Mania appearance, her losing a lot of confidence in herself. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with you in that she's she's twenty four years old in the semi main event of a massive WrestleMania. The first one in front of fans in over a year. Cut her a bit of slack. <laughs> like, like, 
and she's only been this is her first match with Asuka she's only been on the main roster for a couple of months like give her a bit more time to get bedded in and stuff like obviously they've made her the champion so now you expect good stuff um, but she she will deliver I'm sure she's too good not to she's way good not to deliver she's I would say strap the rocket You, she is what you need yeah she, she's a cool young new face like she's been around a couple of times but she's not oversaturated like Charlotte I guarantee you put her up against Shayna who she's already faced and you love magic yeah have that as your SummerSlam feud I think she she, she has been portrayed so far as the heel though um, she's kind of ingesting they piped in the booze for her so it's a conscious decision to have her as the heel um well, they, they piped in booze as well when she came out, though, I think. I think, uh, no, actually, they didn't pipe them in. The fans were encouraged on the videos, were encouraged to cheer for her. It's very confusing. So it's all very, uh, very mixed messages. Because if, if she is to be the heel champion going forward, then who is her challenger? Charlotte, I guess. Or is she only, is she only the heel for Asuka? And now that she's done that, she's won the title, and now Charlotte has come back as a heel. Don't know if you know that, Matt. Um, yeah, I've seen that. Is it now that she's she's now back to babyface? She just did that temp, right? Perhaps with Sasha, she just did a kind of temporary switch to divide the crowd. Yeah, I mean, or, or unify the crowd. She's a very good heel, so you know, I wouldn't be surprised if she kept that persona. But she's not Charlotte Flair heel, so yeah, she could do yeah. badder. Baby face, or she can do cocky, arrogant heel. Who can also? Yeah. I think Charlotte's what she needs now. Kind of thing. Charlotte will get her through it. I think. Also, it, as long as Charlotte just doesn't win the title. Well, that's what I mean. It's what yeah. the story needs. It needs Rhea to go over Charlotte to sort of avenge last year's redemption. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I, I feel it will be a triple threat at WrestleMania backlash, and perhaps Asuka will eat the pin to kind of keep the conflict between. Um, Charlotte and Rhea going. Um, so yeah, potential triple threat down the line. Um, but the triple threat that we got to close out WrestleMania weekend was, in my opinion, a very, very good match. Um, best match of the night. Um, Roman Reigns retaining the championship in a triple threat against Daniel Bryan and Edge. What do you think about the result, first and foremost? I actually think right result. I think... Yeah, 100%. This was- this was, uh, yeah, I think this was another example where WWE could have gone down a couple of paths. I don't think Daniel Bryan was ever going to win this match. Um, uh, Edge winning, they, they may have gone down the whole 10th anniversary thing. And I think that I was, I was a little bit worried that they would because he doesn't need that. No, I don't think anyone really wants Edge to be champion either. I mean, it, it, you could feel like he might deserve it. You can feel like he's got a good claim to it. But I don't think anyone really wants Edge to be champion. So I think Roman was the only real viable option they had. And also, you don't want this sort of dominant streak to end. That fix was not broken. Exactly. Um, yeah, I, I would agree with you in that Roman retaining is the right decision. Um, yeah, Daniel Bryan was never going to win. And there were moments where I thought, well, they'll, they'll make Edge win as a feel-good ending to not only WrestleMania, but the culmination of his comeback. Um and give him a couple of months till SummerSlam, for example. Um, I think um, a lot of people have been divided on the finish. 
and the manner in which Roman Reigns won. Um, I didn't hate it. I thought it was quite original. I yeah, I, I don't. I don't remember. I don't recall seeing that really been done before. The kind of double pin. Um, a lot. A few people were quite unhappy in in the way it shifted from as a babyface. Roman Reigns can beat Cena, he can beat Undertaker, he can beat Lesnar, he can beat anyone you put in front of him. But as a heel, he's like, Jay, please help me, Jay, please. <laughs> um, but yeah. I, don't, I don't hate it. Uh, maybe as part well, of the WrestleMania main event. Yeah, um, to a certain extent. Um, but he also backs it up without Jay, usually in his matches. Um so yeah, it's, it's a fine balance to strike. It's the kind of thing you don't tend to see a lot of kind of interference in WrestleMania main events, um, like with uh, the Apollo Crews match earlier. But I feel like it, it just helped with, when you've got such two guys who are so popular as baby faces as Edge and um, Edge and Daniel Bryan. It really helps. I'm surprised we were allowed to see a concerto. Yeah, yeah, there was that. Um, there was a, there, I will admit, there was a moment where I thought Edge, Edge was going to win when I think it was Reigns he hit the spear on, wasn't it? Was it? Yeah, Reigns, and then Daniel Bryan pulled the ref out of the ring. Yeah, yeah. that was that was a good moment. I thought, all right, that's, that's one of those guys where they got it so spot on. Yeah, and the crowd throughout this whole match, really, but the, those last five minutes or so, the crowd were well into it from what I could, um, what I can remember anyway, having not watched it back. Um, yeah, overall, I think this match really was a success. The program, uh, although it's not been the longest program in terms of with all three of them involved, I think it's been one of the better built stories. Um, I like where felt they very... can go with this. Yeah. Literally, he literally can come out on SmackDown and be like, well, none of you are getting another title match because I've done with you now. I've beaten you both. And Edge could go fully off the deep end and as a heel on Daniel Bryan. Yep. Be like, this this is your fault. You cost me. Um, Edge, I don't know if you... Have you watched Edge's um, Chronicle that came out just before Mania? No. It's worth a watch. It's, it's done from um, like early March, mid-March-ish, just before Fastlane um, till the Smackdown before Mania. Um and he talks about how he's just he's just so much more comfortable in this this heel role basically. He's um he didn't want to come back and just be like um happy to be here babyface. Baby yeah. Um and yeah, how he just feels so much more at home and when he was doing those promos as he slowly degenerated into his kind of old ways, it just feels so much more comfortable. And better for where he where he wants his character to be. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Edge turn heel on Daniel Bryan fully, um, and blame him for not not being able to achieve his goal. Basically, he struggled to get people to do him. That's the problem. And having said that, I thought he'd struggle to get people to do Daniel Bryan, and they were booing him. <laughs> and if yeah. you're gonna get and if you're gonna get anyone to boo Edge, the best person to pair him with is again Daniel Bryan. That's true. So, yeah, overall, very, though, match-wise, though, I, I was very impressed. Not that I felt like this was going to be a bad match because all three of them were really great. Like Roman, Roman is just off the scale at the moment. I think with his performances mm-hmm. and Edge. One hundred percent. And look how much 
difference there is between now and all he did was turn heel. And still as dominant. Yeah, he took his shirt off. Still as dominant, but people like, oh, yeah, I can get behind that. It's it's exactly the role he should be in. You just look at him and you think, I I hate that guy. Why would I like this guy? He's a real-life fucking Aquaman. Because <laughs> he's 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 stacked, he's dominant, he's good looking, he's he's you know he's arrogant, and it's like, well, I'm never going to like this guy. Yeah, he's rich. I'm never going to like this guy. So why try and make me like him? Yeah, it's it's the promos that you cut in between the match. The matches can be almost exactly the same, really, with a few kind of fighting from underneath differences. But um, it doesn't have to change his move setup or anything like that. It's the promos in between that make all of the difference. It doesn't have to be like, um, I'm, I'm doing this for you guys or whatever now. You can fully be like, I don't give a shit. I'm doing this to to get money, to be top of, like, make everyone respect me. You should all respect me, all that kind of stuff. And it's a lot easier. And, pe- and people tend to say they, they tend to have a lot more fun as a as a heel than they do as a yeah, baby yeah. face. And you have, you have more freedom. Um, you can say and do a bit more. Um, so yeah, I'm not surprised that Roman has been as successful as he has been in the last six months or however long it's been. Um, so yeah, overall, speaking of success, I'd say WrestleMania 37 was success in the end. I think it would have been hard not to be with the crowd. Um, I think. There was, when you think about it, a relatively notable lap of star power, but I didn't really feel that by the end of it. When you think, um, this was the first time I think in something like, in about 30 years, where there was no Undertaker or Triple H. Yep. Um, And you've not got John Cena, you've not got Becky Lynch. He didn't have Charlotte Flair. Bailey was there for a little bit, but she didn't really do much. Um, Hulk Hogan, but they didn't do much. Like, there's a lot of people could do something that weren't there. Um, so overall, yeah, I think it was a very good showcase for the current crop of superstars, which is always what you want because these are the people who are going to be there every week. It's um, kind of what I, what I was thinking. It was like a. It was very much almost like a transitional WrestleMania, where yeah. it was sort of like, okay, this is this is what we're going with now. It's like either get on board or get off. You know, it's like these are the people, like the, the people who came out big from WrestleMania, the likes of Drew and Bobby and, and Roman and Cesaro, um, you know, Biggie and Apollo were featured, which is something that they probably wouldn't have been. Bobby Lashley yeah. as as a champion. Yeah, it's like those are the big Damian Priest in a prominent role and Sasha and Bianca. Like those are the future. Therefore, we featured them heavily, and they you know, most of them won or at least put in great performances. And so, you know, get on board with it because we're not going back to having being bailed out by you know Kane and the Undertaker and Shawn Michaels and Goldberg specifically. So. Yeah, those were the other yeah, two. I really, and Brock Lesnar and Goldberg weren't there. Well, yeah, I, I really hope that they keep it up. But yeah. I kind of feel like they won't. As soon as the first sign of trouble, 
you know, Brock will be back or first time of Goldberg will be back. You know, they've got, they'll have Stone Cold out as soon as they can, <laughs> you know, those sorts of things. But for the time being, at least let's enjoy the ride and where they're kind of going. But it feels a little bit like, you know, post the golden era into the new generation era. It feels like we've been there for a little while, but this felt like the rubber stamp on it to go, right, we're going with these guys. As, you know, we don't need big big name stars to come in and just do a part-time job for us anymore because these guys can handle it. I mean, I don't have a problem with, say, bringing in someone like Stone Cold for a, a show or, or or Shawn Michaels for an appearance or whatever. It's when, it's when they start wrestling. It's when you get the Goldbergs and stuff wrestling that I don't you care don't because... It. You, you know that, yeah, you don't need it. You know that he's probably just going to win the title at the expense of a current guy. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm hopeful that this is potentially the start of a, a shift towards something a bit fresher, some new matches um, with the likes of Damian Priest and Rhea Ripley and um, Bianca Belair and a lot of stuff that we haven't seen. Um, so we'll just have to see where it goes from there. Um that, that's it really I guess for our Wrestlemania review it's been quite a long one but there was two nights of four hour pay-per-views to discuss so it's to be expected really um, but yeah big big success for Mania very happy just to see the fans back even if it was just it's not going to happen on a regular basis for a little while I guess there's not been any details from WWE anyway to confirm when that's going to be the regular um, but it's every day it's getting closer isn't it so um, just get back to some sort of normality that would be great yeah <laughs> and then I, I might start watching Raw and Smackdown again <laughs> I might you're right I might yeah I mean like I was, I was saying to work uh, saying to someone at work earlier that I they were like oh this year's gone so fast doesn't it feel like the time's just moving so quickly I was like yeah but in the middle of a in the middle of a pandemic where you can't do anything, I'm more than happy for the for the fucking half of a year just to go in, in a week, like just because it means we're close to the end. Um, and that's what this weekend kind of made me feel was we're getting there. Uh, it's a visual represent, representation rather than just numbers of people vaccinated, for example. So, um, yeah, very good stuff. Um, so yeah, that's it for for our WrestleMania review. Um, make sure to check us out on Twitter. Um, at the underscore PWP. Um, we didn't ever finish off part two of WrestleMania 35, our, our trip to New York. I don't know whether we will revisit that. Um, Let's do that. Yeah, we could do that next week. I never actually ended up posting any of the photos from um, of people we met go. that we were talking about. Um, so, yeah, um, we'll try and get them up, um, some of them up in a week. But, yeah, next week we'll do WrestleMania part two unless anything urgent comes up um maybe we could I, do the return of the uh, pwp randomizer that's what i was just about to say the week after i reckon we should do the randomizer give it give it another run out um, yeah. can, this, this really needs to hurry up because i really need to piss <laughs> uh so yeah i'll just i just want to take a minute here just to slow things <laughs> well, i'm gonna be going <laughs> <laughs> that's fine um okay so yes thank you for listening make sure to check out all of our other episodes that we posted on our youtube channel um apologies if you do watch this one on youtube for the, my camera being a dick but it's the way things go um so yes thanks for listening and we will see you next week for wrestlemania 35 part two Bye. Bye.